feel much like leaving You don't want me to go But all your tamaracks are needling Your beauty in the snow And I'll see you soon at Christmas A happy holiday Oh, how you gonna miss me If I won't go away I'm overtime I'm in demand Welcome to Folk Roots Radio Overtime A new feature on Folk Roots Radio Well, actually, it's an old feature Dating back to our early days Going live on CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph Well, we're bringing it back as the new name for our in-depth artist interviews. You know, when we chat to artists about their music, there's often far more interesting conversation than we can typically put into a radio episode. So we release the full interview separately through the website and in podcast form wherever you get your podcasts. Well, Folk Roots Radio Overtime is now back, and this time around, we'd like to share with you our full interview with Ottawa-based singer-songwriter Lynn Miles about her music, songwriting, and new album, Tumbleweedy World. Enjoy. I'm a night owl, that's a fact. I like the world when it's still and black. I'm a night owl, it's in my blood. I won't change for you I'm a stick in the mud I like to listen To the nightbird song It's the loneliest Sing alone I like to listen To nothing at all just the sound of the nightbird song. I wish you.
That's one of Canada's finest songwriters, Lynn Miles, with Night Owl from her upcoming album, Tumbleweedy World, Lynn's 16th recording in a career that has to date yielded more than 900 songs and numerous awards, including a Juno and multiple Canadian Folk Music Awards. And her albums consistently feature prominently in Best of the Year lists and readers' polls. This is an artist who is consistently at the top of her game. And to learn more about this new project, we're pleased to welcome Lynn Miles back to Folk Roots Radio. It's great to have you join us today. Hi, Jan. It's so great to be with you. So tell us about this new album. This is your 16th album. I have to say, I was kind of stunned when it said 900 songs because I was trying to do the math on that. There must have been a lot of songs that uh, are still out there waiting to have something done with them. Yeah, if you think about 16 albums, that's probably about 165 songs, I think. So yeah, all those other little babies are waiting there. Um, some of them, I'm, you know, I wrote them when I was really young, and I don't feel like they speak anymore. But um, I do have. I was thinking, like, I'd love to put out Tumbleweedy too, because I have enough songs to do it. And I also have this idea of doing a piano record. So I still have, you know, there's still songs that want to come out that are still there. So yeah, yeah. well, I think a lot of songs. There've been four <laughs> volumes of Black Flowers, right? Yeah, yeah. So having yeah. A, at least. Volume two of Tumbleweedy would be would be perfectly fine. So I think so. Uh, yeah, t- ten tracks on the album. There's a bit of a relationship theme to this. Some of them not really working out quite the way you planned. I want to talk about Night Owl first because I know when we were setting this interview up, we were talking about time, and you said, "Oh well, something later in the day would suit you because you're a night owl." And it's I thought it was really funny because I am really an early riser. I get up at the insane time of 4.30 every morning. Yeah, uh, that's when I'm going to bed, generally. <laughs> <laughs> we should be married. <laughs> We'd never see each other. We'd be perfect. Well, you yeah. know, the, the, the cute thing was, I think there's a line in the song that actually could fit both ways, because it's uh, where you say that you, uh, the line about liking the dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just thought that was, I like the world when it's still and black. And I yeah. thought, well, I like the world when it's still at black as well. It's just usually at the right time of year, the the sun comes up in the middle of it. But yes, uh, and you're also seeing it from the other side. Exactly. Right. Yeah. 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 Tell us a little bit about picking the songs for the album. I mentioned a little bit of a relationship theme here. Are these ideas that you know percolate for a while before you decide to to write a song about it? You know, every song is has a different. Um, birth and uh, growing process. Some songs are really fast. Some songs take 20 years to write. Some songs, um, you know, I won't even know they're in there. And then I'll write something down and I'll look at a book that I wrote 20 years ago and it's in the book 20 years ago and I'd completely forgotten about it, but it was sitting around in my subconscious. These songs, I didn't really pick the songs in terms of the themes of the songs. I picked it more to serve the instrumentation because I really wanted... I am not a bluegrass musician. I have such respect for bluegrass musicians and bluegrass music that I would never deem to call myself a bluegrass artist. But I wanted to give a nod to it because I love it so much. And I'm always trying to write a song. I'm always trying to write a bluegrass kind of style song if I can. You know, I write other kinds of songs, but I'm always like wishing that I could write like a Leuven Brothers kind of song. They're so perfect and simple and beautiful. I have not achieved that. I just wanted to sort of push my music that way a little bit because they'd never really gotten to do that and I thought why not do it right and because I love the dobro the dobro's all over this it's one of my favorite instruments now that's Stuart Rutherford he's from Ottawa great player and mandolin which is Joey Wright is playing mandolin and so like those beautiful string stringy instruments with no drums I usually have drums on my records unless they're the black flowers which is solo records but a lot of times I'll do kind of like I would say my stuff, well, I call it frock, which is folk rock, you know? So I didn't want to do a frock record. I wanted to do something that was really acoustic and quiet and just honored the instrumentation. So it's not really a theme record, but more about the musical theme than the than the emotional theme, I would say. Did any of it reflect on the the times we're currently in? And I, I know, we, you know, we're talking about, re, you know, relationship mm-hmm. songs. I mean... Uh, the challenges there, but 
Uh, you know, Night Owl is really about in- incompatibility. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I, I just wonder whether, you know, we've all been forced to stay home because of the COVID pandemic. Uh, we're, you know, we're living in this world where climate change is becoming much more of a serious problem. I think it's always been serious, but people are finally waking up to that. But everything seems unsteady. And, you know, this whole tumbleweedy world theme uh, which comes out of a song we won't be able to play today, Palomino, which is a great song I'll definitely be playing on the radio. There's this sense of there are loads of obstacles we have to deal with, and I just wonder if that wove itself into the writing we have to deal with. I think really on a subconscious level, it absolutely did, because uh, it was such a tough time, and it was so quiet. I think also like the recording of this was quiet. We sort of did it live off the floor, but... As I said, there's no drums, and it was, um, yeah, there was just something about there was quiet in the studio, which I really liked, but I was so used to it after being in the pandemic. I don't know if I could take any anything that was had too much noise in it, but, yeah, it's really about, I think the record has a lot of sort of you're drifting around and you're not sure of things, and, you know, and I think that the, the pandemic for me really put me in that mood. There's also a song called Moody. <laughs> um, it really put me in that mood because I I really, I felt untethered for sure. I did feel like a piece of tumbleweed blowing across the road. I'd like to pop back into the album and play another song. We're actually going to play the first single, which is Highway 105. Tell us about this song. When you drive from Ottawa to the Black Sheep, which is in Wakefield, Quebec, you have to take the 105. Oh. And it's a beautiful road. It goes by a river and it's twisty, turny, whining. There's rocks and trees. And then you land in this, the most beautiful club, which hasn't been open since the pandemic started, unfortunately. But I spent so many nights there listening to incredible music. I think it's one of the best clubs in Canada. I hope it reopens. And uh, my friend Jim Bryson, who's done so many shows up there and who's, who's sung with me many times, he sings the harmony on it. And it's really about... You know, when you see a when you see a player and you fall in love with the player because it's so fantastic and you romanticize the beautiful musician and the and it's about that and it's about thinking that, you know, there was a time when this love was so all consuming and and sometimes a love like that can be very painful and sometimes you have to leave it so you drive away with your window open in the cold air. It just, to me, it was very much about the road, that beautiful road driving up there and then seeing a beautiful show and coming out, seeing all the stars in the sky and then, and, you know, driving back alone and, and just sort of, to me, sort of metaphorical for a lot of relationships that don't work out. Highway 105 Under the sparkling sky Cities and the valleys And the memories rolling by Tonight everywhere I go Is an old ghost town There's a pull in my flesh and bones That I can't push down
sometimes I start thinking around at night And I make us perfect and I build us a little shrine I forget that we weren't pretty and we weren't kind So I keep on moving, keep on driving through What's done is done, I know what's false and true Every now and then I wonder what might have been Then I roll down the window and I let the cold air And I don't want anything from you at all If you tell A sweet sad song Turns out it was you I was missing all along Turns out it was you I was missing That's Lynn Miles with Highway 105 from her new album. It's entitled Tumbleweedy World. Lynn Miles is our special guest on Folk Roots Radio today. And, you know, when you talk to someone like Lynn Miles, you realize, wow, you're in the presence of an amazing songwriter. I mentioned at the start, 900 songs and counting. <laughs> and you must just wake up in the morning. You wake up in the morning and maybe have an idea and then scribbled it down oh, for, God. for the future. Yeah, actually, um, I would say the last couple months, well, my mother was sick she was old and and was ill and so really the last couple of years i've been taking care of her but the last year i guess has been pretty bad and then she passed away in december so that's made it difficult to be a writer i have to say it's the first time in my life where i just really don't want to write i'm just sort of afraid to go there i, I will go there eventually because my thing is like i actually don't believe in writer's block i don't think it exists and i when I give writers workshops, I say, we'll never using that term. It's just like, you can't always be writing. That's just the truth. And I have faith in my, um, the muscles that I've gained over the years for songwriting. So I know they're there and they'll come back. Yeah. I write every day. I carry a book around with me and I do this thing where I'll have like five or six pots on the stove, you know, with songs bubbling away. And I'll just keep revisiting the books. I'm going to mix my metaphors here. I'm going to keep revisiting the the songs and seeing how they're doing and putting a little salt in them and then, you know, going back. And some of these songs will take 20 years to write. I'll just keep going back and visiting them. And I think it's like, you know, songwriting is your subconscious talking. So maybe you're not mature enough to write this particular song yet and you have to experience something. But I also like I do lie awake at night and worry about them. I'll, I'll wake up and think, well, is that one line, is that the right line? Or is, you know, should it be that word or should it be that word? And they do keep me up. And I, I think like I have this huge family of kids. And my thing with my songs is part of the reason I was doing the Black Flowers records, which were solo records, was I just want to get the songs out of the house <laughs> because then they'll leave me alone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like sort of like once they're recorded and out, you can't really do much with them. You can if you want. It's your song and it's your career and everything. But there's just something to me about, okay, putting their coats on and sending them out the door. You know what I mean? And so now I don't have to worry about them so much. And then, you know, when I do that, I'll look back on songs and think, oh, I wish I'd done, you know, I wish I'd taken that word and changed it. And I can do that if I want to re-record them. It's my song. I can do what I want. But but there's just something about getting them out of the house. And that also clears the way for the next, because they sort of come in batches for the next, whatever the next batch is going to be or whatever the next direction is that I want to go in. If the deck is cleared out, then I can, I've got room for them, you know. <laughs> so do you feel pressure to put an album out? I mean, is that something you say, oh, you know, I haven't released something for... Uh, a couple of years, I, I really should get something out again? No, I feel like I'm the freest artist in the world. I've, I feel very fortunate. I'm, I'm, I'm very blessed with, I've done my career the way I wanted to do my career. 
I've missed some opportunities because of my own stupidity, but I'm at a place where I make my own decisions about what I want to do. I don't feel any pressure. I could never do another record again, and I'd be fine with that. I have to be moved to do it. And, but I also love being in the studio. So that's kind of a, like, I love that. So I will probably do, I hope I can do some more if I can, if I can do it. You know, I I really don't pressure myself about anything anymore. I I don't want to sound flippant, but there's a lot of stuff that I don't care about anymore that I cared a lot about when I was younger, like where I fit in the world and, you know, who likes me and who doesn't like me and, you know, that sort of thing. And I, and, you know, that's the gift of getting older. You just really don't give a fuck. Can I say that on your radio station? Yeah, you just stop, you know, like you just go, okay, well, they're going to like it or they're not going to like it. These people might like it. I don't care. It's great. If they like it, it's awesome. You know, when people like it, you just think, oh my God, that's so great. I feel so thankful, you know, that I got to do that. When I think also the fact that, you know, when you, you know, you're fortunate enough to win awards for your music. Yes. Uh, or people <laughs> say, I love that new Lynn Miles album. It's one of my favorites this year. And and I have to be honest, I love this album already, and I've only been listening to it for a few days. But this is probably going to be in my favorite albums of the coming year. But it's when you get to that point, it's really nice. And I think that gives you a certain latitude to say, well, you know, people like what I'm doing. You know, I, I, I need just to, to keep being me. And and that well, really yeah. comes through in your music. Thank you. I For a long time, I've I've... I made a a long time ago, I made a decision to not have the audience in my head in the studio. You know, they're not allowed in because this is my thing. I'm going to do this thing. I'm not going to care who likes it or doesn't like, I'm just going to do this thing because this is the thing I really want to do. You know, and it's not like I have people whose opinion I absolutely respect, of course. But I, I think if you, if you're too conscious of, of the, you know, the, the town square and what they have to say about your stuff, it could limit you or cause you to be anxious or make you double, you know, question yourself. And I really have a good relationship with my gut. Like I trust my gut. So yeah, I just, I I, I feel very fortunate to say that I'm just doing what I want to do. That's what a great thing. That makes me smile to say that. That's <laughs> yeah. So tell us about the making of the album. Oh, so much fun. So there's a studio around the corner from my house. It's called Little Bullhorn. And the guy who runs it is Dave Drapes. And he's a mad scientist. He has something. He's a keyboard guy. So he's got like every keyboard ever invented, electronic. And it's got a grand piano and an upright piano and Wurlitzers and B3s and all kinds of things. So that's why I'm also thinking about doing a piano album, because every time I go there, I would play the pianos. But um, he's just a mad scientist. And it's it's a it's a an analog studio which is rare these days so when you record when I record I like to record analog because I love I think it's a warmer sound and when I recorded it we recorded it onto big two-inch tape which is how records used to get made (laughs) that's why they sound so warm and beautiful and I sing into tube mics and and anything I use is you know it's kind of an old school thing it does eventually go on to a digital platform because you have to do that if you're using um pro tools but there are ways of keeping it warm. And so we tried to do that as much as possible on this record. And it was really fun to do that. It's really fun to hear your voice go on to tape. There's just something magical about it. Um, so, and he's like, you know, he's the guy for that. And so I love that he lives down the street and I can just wander over whenever I want. I don't have to get up at 10 AM, which is ridiculous. I don't know how anybody could record an album at that time of the day. But anyway, yeah, it's very freeing and it's, and there's guitars hanging all over the place and banjos and, you know, you can just, uh, if I, if I won the lottery, I would just, I'll probably just buy a year of studio time and just go in there every day, take it over and just record and play. Cause it's my favorite place to be. So, and it's just the two of us. So it's quiet again, lots, very quiet. And he's, he's cool because, you know, I sort of come out of a more sort of, you know, I'm 64, I'm older than him, he's in his 50s. And so I come out of different sort of musical background. And so I might be a little stuck in some patterns and things, and he'll give me a little push sometimes. And I'll go, yeah, I think you might be right, I should shake that, get rid of that rust and stuff. So it's good to have a person like that. 
So who else played on the album? And you mentioned Jim Bryson does some harmonies. Who else is on there with you? Well, my good friend, Rebecca Campbell, who's like, I don't know, you guys should check out her website and look at her discography because it will blow your mind. I was looking at it the other night. It starts in 1987 and I'm the first record she ever sang on. Um, she's from Ottawa, but then she's went on to sing with Jane Sibbery and all these other people, but it's an, it's an incredible um, discography. So she sings, and uh, the song that I picked for her was like a Leuven Brothers song. And I, and I wanted to, us to sing like the Leuven sisters. If the Leuven Brothers had sisters, that's what I wanted to do. And she grabbed it and she ran with it. She's so good. And we've been singing together for years, and we did sing in a country band for a long time. So we knew how to do that. So that was really fun. And then, and Julie Corrigan, who's an Ottawa singer-songwriter, just got an amazing voice and just a lovely human being and songwriter. And so she sings on one of the songs. And um, let's see, who else do we have? Well, Dave Draves, who's my co-producer, he, I think he's, he sings on something. And then, so we got, yeah, uh, so we got Joey Wright on guitar and Mando. We got Stuart Rutherford on the Dobro. Michael Ball, who plays bass, he's from Ottawa and plays in a band called Ball and Chain, great bass player. James Stevens, who uh, who played on my very first album as well, plays fiddle. Um, I've been playing with him for years. A lot of old friends, which I love. I love playing music with my friends. It's the best, you know, especially people I've known for years. You don't even have to talk when you go in the studio. They just, they know what you want. And yeah, it was really fun. It was a really good, fun process. And, you know, in the middle of pandemic, we couldn't go anywhere or do anything. It was nice to have this project. And then I would see people. It wouldn't be a crowded place, but I'd see one or two people. And, you know, even when we recorded with the band, everybody had their own little room that they could be in and they felt safe. And so it was really great. Yeah. I can see how much fun you have in this oh, process. God. It really comes love through. It. Yeah, yeah, I love it. That's great. We're going to go back to the album for another song. This one I love because there's so much going on in it. And that's Johnny Without June. I think when you hear the title, you get an idea of where it's going. But tell us a little bit about this song. This is so cool. So I was in Halifax teaching a songwriting workshop and there are like 20 people there at the Halifax library. And there, and I, when I do these workshops, I go around and ask people, okay, what, why are you here? What do you want to talk about? And so there was a woman named Maxine Wallace and she said, well, I write all these lyrics, but I have no one to write the music for, for them. So I said, well, show me your lyrics. And she showed me this song. And I sort of went, oh my God, I'll write the music for you. So she said, really? I said, yeah, let me, let me try it. I'll take it home and I'll see what we got. And I did change a couple lyrics and I wrote the, I wrote a new, a bridge for it. And, um, and she loved it. It's spent, it's it, the right, her writing is so good. So now, you know, she's never had anything like this. So now it's on an album and they made a little word, uh, YouTube lyric video for it. And so that's awesome. And then we wrote another song together too, which maybe I'll put on Tumbleweedy too. Wow. You know? Well, it, def yeah. it definitely sounds like Tumbleweedy 2 needs to become a thing. But it's funny because when I read the lyrics for this, it, it really fits with you too, though. Uh, I mean, you know, I, we've well, got Johnny. I, yeah, it's yeah. why I twigged on it, yeah. right? Johnny like Cash I, and June Carter's relationship woven in this. But there's sadness in that, you know, it doesn't quite work out that way. Well, the line that really got me was, and the person in the song is comparing their how they feel now that the person they love is gone. It's like they, they would feel like Johnny without June, but the line that I love so much that really, you know, nailed it for me was I'm a sailor lost at sea, learning how deep blue can be. It's so perfect and pure and simple. As soon as I read that, I went, I totally get that. And I think I can write a melody for this. the morning on my eyes I tell myself the same old lies Pretend that you're still sleeping there Your silky skin and your raven hair So beautiful it steals my breath As real as if you never left As perfect as a mandolin 
the hunger when you pull me in. I'm the earth without the sun, a bullet with no gun. I'm a flower with no bloom, a lone wolf howling at the moon. I'm a sailor lost at sea, learning how deep blue can be. I'm a song without a tune. I'm Johnny without you. Feel the darkness in my soul. I hear the distant thunder roll. The world and I will disagree. So now the bottle calls to me. The whiskey whispers tempting lies, fairy tales and alibis. But I know. Than the lowest low. Cause I'm the earth without the sun, a bullet with no gun. I'm a flower with no blue, a lone wolf howling at the moon. I'm a sailor lost at sea, learning how deep. A song without a tune. I'm Johnny without Jim. That's Lynn Miles with Johnny Without June from her wonderful new album, Tumbleweedy World. Lynn Miles is our special guest on Folk Roots Radio today. We're really excited because this album is just about to be released and it's just truly fantastic. If you've been enjoying the conversation with Lynn, you can see this this is somebody who just loves to write and loves to play. Obviously, Lynn, during the, the pandemic, you wouldn't have been able to play as much as normal. You know, I'm just wondering if your the way you perform live has maybe changed, you know, where you perform, perhaps less touring than in the past? Absolutely less touring. In fact, so much less touring that I had to declare bankruptcy because I had no income and I had some tax debt and I couldn't pay the tax debt. It's funny because that when I was doing that, the person at the bankruptcy business asked me, you know, are you going to feel any shame about this? Some people feel shame. And I said, well, no, I'm an artist who didn't succeed in the capitalist system. So it's actually a success. (laughs) It's like, we don't fit into this system. It doesn't work for us. Yeah. So I have not toured very much. I haven't toured at all, actually. And I did have one tour last summer that I had to cancel because of my mom not being well. So yeah, I haven't toured at all, really. played playing sort of one-offs and I'll be doing a couple of CD releases. But I have to say, I always appreciated being on stage. And the older I get, the more I appreciate it. 
but I appreciate it even more now because I haven't been able to do it as much. And so it's almost, it's a gift in a way because every time I go on stage, I'm like so freaking thrilled to be there that I think my shows are better than they used to be, you know? So it's, and it's not like I wasn't giving it before, but I think when you're on tour, you're tired, right? Especially as you get older. And so now if I'm doing a one-off, I've got so much energy. I'm going to do this one show, (laughs) you know, so I'm energized by it. And I haven't been on the road for three weeks, you know, and I'm, I'm just energized by it. And, and I'm, I'm just so grateful just to be there. And I think, I think you'll find that from a lot of musicians. I think they'll say the same thing. I've talked to some songwriters and I say, yeah, it's like just to be on stage is so great that I just want to like leave everything on the stage on the show, you know? So there is a gift in there. Yeah. It it breaks my heart to, to hear you be so open about the fact that you had to declare bankruptcy because of the devastation that has occurred in the the music business, obviously not just with COVID, but with just this rapid move to streaming. Oh Uh, God, streaming. Yeah. Well, streaming really was the beginning of the end because, you know, people like me, we're not at the top tier. We, we play festivals and shows and we were, you know, you hope to sell CDs at your shows. Right. And that would really help you especially festivals where you could sell a hundred CDs in a weekend and that could take you put that in the bank and take care of your January, which is always really slow, you know, so you sort of do those kinds of things and we can't do it anymore. And even the royalty, you know, I used to get for SoCan royalties, radio royalties, you know, that used to really help me too. Now it really doesn't amount to anything. And, you know, if you're listening to something on Spotify as a listener, you should know that artists get 0.003 cents a stream. It takes a million streams to make $7,000. And so if you're not in the, if you're not Adele or somebody like that and you're lower down, it doesn't amount to a lot. And it, it's certainly not going to help you uh, pay the rent. You know? it, it feels such an upside down world, though, when you say that you're not in the top tier because to people like myself, we would say, well, hundred percent she's in the top tier top tier in canada (laughs) um you know top tier in north america top tier worldwide and i know there are other songwriters out there that definitely look up to you uh as someone who has really is at the top of her craft now you teach workshops i think you also are an instructor at carlton university i don't know if that's still yeah i did that pre-pandemic i haven't done it since uh i did it for about six years i think five or six years and uh, it was really, I had a good time doing that. It was fun. Although, you know, it was hard to tour and do that. It could be consistent with students. Um, so I'm not doing that anymore. I do like to produce records if anybody wants their record produced. I produce a couple and um, I love doing that. And I feel like I have so much experience because I have, this is now my 16th album and I've been, you know, basically a co-producer on everyone. So I think I know what I'm doing in the studio. And you clearly have lots of good ideas. I mean, that that comes through, you know, pick up any of your albums and you can, you know, you, you see the story arc through it. You know, when we get to our final song on the on that we're going to play today, which I just absolutely love. I mean, I can see the way that you put this album together. You know, one of the things I miss about the streaming age is the fact that um, you know, we're not seeing the sequencing that goes in when an album exactly like you're not going on the journey and the artist, you know, even like today, even though we know that people are going to be listening to maybe a song here and song there, still Dave and I sweated for weeks over the order of the album. I listened to like, you know, 50 different <laughs> versions of which song should go where, you know, we sweat over that stuff because we want the listener to go on a journey. That's why when you're making an album, you do want them to travel on this road that you've designed and, and uh, you hope that they do. But if you don't, if you're streaming and whatever, do what you need to do. I would like just to talk for a few seconds about the public speaking you've been doing, because you have been uh, quite focused on the issue of mental health in relation to people within the music uh, community. And I think uh, a few years ago, you actually spoke on the subject of musicians and mental health at the 2019 Folk Alliance Conference. Can you talk a little bit about uh, why you felt moved to to get out and talk about these issues? I've always had some mental health issues, had a strange childhood and had um, sort of 
been dealing with uh, low-grade depression for most of my life and then episodes of pretty severe depression. And, um, you know, we're, we're at a point now where we sh- this should not be something that's a taboo or a shame. It just is what happens in the human condition. And I love the quote by, I don't know whose quote this is. It might be Johan Hari who said that to, to be healthy in an unhealthy world isn't necessarily a sign of good mental health. You know, it's sort of like, how could you sort of not be slightly <laughs> impacted by the way that we live now? It's not right for a lot of us. And then you combine that with the music business and touring and your, your feelings about yourself, whatever your self-esteem level is, then addiction. And, you know, there's so much that goes on in our industry that, and I'd read somewhere that the average age of death for a musician is 57. And a lot of that has to do with addiction and mental health issues, plus the ridiculous touring schedule. And so as I've gotten older and as I've experienced my own, like I've, I, I've, I've had opportunities that I couldn't act upon because I just wasn't healthy enough to do it. It's not a regret, but it is something that I'm aware of. And if I can save somebody the trouble I want to do that if I can to just share what I know about how I'm learning to deal with the business because it's, you know, it's all about the upward trajectory and who's the best. And, you know, that if you're a sensitive person, that's so hard on you. And, and now we have the internet where anybody can tell you they hate you, you know, people can get in, you know, and if you're sensitive or insecure or whatever it is, it's so hard and it can, just it can damage you. That stuff can really damage you. You can see it in young kids who were TV stars. You know the 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 percentage who went on to become drug addicts and be incredibly messed up is very high. And it's similar in our business. So I like talking about how we can do this in a healthy way. What's good for us? What isn't good for us? The idea that the show must go on no matter what I find ridiculous. It's a it's a glorious tradition. But it's to the detriment of people's lives and well-being. You know, you, you shouldn't have to drive in a snowstorm to go play your show if it's dangerous. You know what I mean? And we'll do that. Musicians will do that. Even if we know there's a snowstorm and there'll only be three people in the audience, we'll do it anyway because the show must go on. And if we don't do it, somebody else will do it. And there's this whole thing about that, which I, you know, it's the band on the Titanic. You know, they should have just gotten on life <laughs> lifeboats so they could go on to play other shows so that's the stuff I worry about you know and we we are also a lot of us are just people who will never stop we're perfectionists it's all very dangerous and so when you're young and and you get opportunities and you don't have this stuff together you can lose those opportunities so that's why I talk about it and I'm not ashamed of it so. we, we've talked a bit about songwriting we've talked about the pressures in the music business, financial and mental health. Uh, what advice would you give, you know, young musicians starting out to protect themselves during their career? A couple of things. I would say, if you have some mental health issues, go and figure them out. Read every book you can about what you're going through. Try to find a good therapist. Talk to your doctor. Talk to your peers. Talk to your parents. Talk to anybody who will listen and support you. Don't hang around with, uh, or there's a great Sufi line. Um, don't go into mean-spirited roadhouses. You know, don't go into places where people are going to tell you you suck or that, you know, make you feel bad. Go towards the people who are kind to you. And also, like, look after your finances. <laughs> Rule number one in the business. You know, if uh, you know, look after your finances, however that looks for you. Don't sign anything without getting a lawyer, although I've done that a couple of times. And just like, you know, self-care, practice self-care as much as you possibly can, whatever that means to you. And it's okay to say no sometimes. The world's not going to come to an end if you say no sometimes. And maybe when you say no, another door opens. It's, you know. That's great advice. Really great advice. Well, it's hard one. (laughs) Hard one. (laughs) Well, it's been a great conversation. Lynn, it's been wonderful having you join us today. We have one thing left to do, and that's pick the final song we're going to play. I kind of like the last song on the album. I think it's really beautiful. 
uh, gold in the middle. And I want to give you a chance to, to talk about that before we introduce it. So I always on my records, I like to put a song at the end that's, it's usually the, the sort of smallest produced or it's got a message about humanity or something. It's like this sort of, I don't know, little statement at the end. And this one is this song, Gold in the Middle. I wrote it. I had a friend named Renata Moore, and uh, she was a person who was not, she was a, a she wrote prose. She wrote a novel and poetry and short stories. And so but she wasn't a songwriter. And I liked taking my stuff to her to listen to because she would be uh, really sort of direct and honest and say, well, I don't get that. Or I don't get, I didn't want to take it to songwriters. So I wanted to take it to a writer and she, and we were really good friends. And she was always really direct and honest with me and I loved her. And then she got sick. And so I would go to where she was and play songs for her. And she loved that. She loved this song, Gold in the Middle. And she always, she called it her theme song because she was struggling. And so I put that there for her and for, you know, people who are struggling because I know actually most of us are struggling now. It's a harder world than it was even two years ago, right? And so I wanted something there that would sort of be hopeful and have a bit of melancholy in it and some longing and all the things that you experience when you're a human. That's why I wanted that song at the end. It's a beautiful song, a great way to finish. This is Lynn Miles with Gold in the Middle from her wonderful new album, Tumbleweedy World, that I know will be part of my favorite albums of 2023. Well, and we're, yeah. doing, we're recording this interview in January <laughs> and it just seems, it seems so fun to say that, but you know, that's the whole thing about, when you pick your favorite albums, you know when they first come in that okay, there's now something I don't, special. Well, now I don't want anybody else to put out any, any <laughs> album, so. <laughs> <laughs> Lynn Miles with Gold in the Middle from Tumbleweedy World. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio, and I'm Chan Hall. There's beauty and sadness, beauty in the rain, in the sound of the midnight chain. In the falling and the letting go Beauty in the answers that we don't know There's hope in the darkness Hope in the dirt Hope in the middle of the biggest hurt In the corner in your heart Diamonds in your eyes Silver in the sea The oceans are blue There's gold in the middle There's gold in the middle Thank you. 
And that's it. Thanks for joining us on Folk Roots Radio Overtime. We're looking forward to bringing you more great in-depth artist conversations. And you can check out this interview again and many others on our website at folkrootsradio.com. We'll see you next time.